How's it going, everybody? Thank you for tuning in. If you're a fan of the show, or even if you're just checking it out for the first time and you enjoy it, do me a big favor, make sure you subscribe. It's the best way that you can show support, as well as sharing it with friends. Let them know if you like it. Give them some recommendations on good episodes to check out. There's more coming. My guest today is the younger brother of a friend of mine who I've had on this podcast a couple different times. And uh, man, what a great conversation I had with him. We talked a lot about technology. And if we're at a point in time where there's about to be a division uh, between people who are willing to continue the trajectory that we're on as a civilization with technology and maybe those who aren't willing to continue on that path. It's really interesting to get his take. Uh, he's a, an author, he's a journalist, and uh, he's a yogi, I guess you could call him. His brother's kind of a yogi too, but uh, interesting guys. And it was a great conversation. Give it up for my guest, Augustus Britton. But always before we enjoy the episode, a shout out from our sponsor, Action Specialty Roast Coffee and Natural Supplements. Make sure you go to drinkaction.com, action with a K, and order your specialty roast coffee. Get yourself rumble time. It's a medium dark roast. It's Anthony Rumble Johnson's specialty roast coffee. He developed it. We don't use pesticides or insecticides. All the coffee's clean. It's imported from Guatemala. It's small batch roasted in Austin, Texas upon your order, and it's shipped directly to your doorstep. If you sign up for a subscription, you'll save 20% off. Otherwise, use code word curious, you'll save 15. And you can get other things too, because Action sells more than coffee. There's turmeric and hemp for anti-inflammation. There's MCT bombs, product called Fuel, which is great clean energy, supports keto as well. And some other great stuff, including apparel, Make sure you go to drinkaction.com, use code word curious, and enjoy the episode. I appreciate you taking the time. I've uh, been very fascinated by you, man. Uh, obviously, you know, I've connected early on with your brother and uh some of the some of the most interesting and fun conversations that i've had with any of the guests that i've had on this show and really with anybody that i've just even encountered in life right (laughs) and uh i think i first came across you on an episode of the ebb and flow right and i was just like okay there's a there's a bigger story here and i think you know coming from a family of i've got three younger brothers myself Uh uh-huh um you guys just really i don't know i i vibe with what you guys are putting out there and so yeah you know it's led me on to seeing some of the other stuff you've done and a question really that i've been asking myself and i ask all my friends and i bother my wife and family members about is are we on the precipice of going down the wrong pathway with the temptation of technology? And is it something that like, you know, can be said in as as a joke, but is it really like, maybe it's time to start taking it serious. And I saw, you know, how to kill a white man. And it seemed like that was kind of the direction that you were 
leading on that. And I, I want to explore that with you as well. So yeah, definitely. I have a lot. I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> For sure. Do you want are we starting now? Are we going? Yeah, we can get her rolling. Yeah, I, I'll just I usually just I'll pick a spot and you know yeah, we'll make yeah. it we'll make it Absolutely. go. But but with all of that being said, thank you for uh, for taking the time, my friend. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me here. 100%. Yeah. I think podcasts are amazing. You know, to me to me podcasts are the new journalists. To me podcasts podcasters actually. Um, you know, you guys are the new people that I can trust. And I think to me, it's why podcasters have been so prevalent in our society because, and I'm a journalist, part, part of what I do is, is certainly journalism. So I know about this firsthand, you know, when you're under the umbrella of an entity, you have to kind of play within that voice you have to kind of play within that umbrella. So what I've loved about podcasters and podcasts is that it's independent. Of course, there's some that are represented that have bigger sponsors. And I think that's something that's gonna change the podcasting game as we, as we move forward. Um, but I think podcasting is an amazing place to find independent voices that have the opportunity to be non-biased you know so i appreciate what you're doing absolutely well I, that's awesome man and <clears throat> i agree wholeheartedly um what were the media forms like what did your family consume growing up like when you turn on the television how were you getting your news oh man you know it's funny it depends on it depends on which family members room you're in you know um but it's such a uh, see, I suppose you could say the, there's that interesting dynamic, right? Of the Democrats watch CNN, the Republicans watch Fox, right? So I think I was, we were coming from a more quote unquote Democrat family, if you will, although I don't really buy into any of the party structure, um, so it was maybe more like CNN on the television or MSNBC or something. And then, you know, primarily it was news on television because I grew up prior to phones and now I feel like news is all in the phone. I mean, what percentage of people, I'd be curious what the statistics are, the percentage of people that actually watch television news nowadays as opposed to getting their news off of social media which is, which kind of goes along with where you started of, you know, whatever technology is in evolving as we evolve with it. Does that, does any of that make sense? Yeah. Well, a hundred percent. I mean, we just are, we just so happen to be caught during one of those change cycles. You know, it's, it's no different than, I mean, Paul Revere had to ride on horseback to, you know, give a message to our right. founding fathers, right? So it's like everything evolves. And so it shouldn't be so surprising to everybody. It's, it is very surprising. You can look around, everybody's like panicked and doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. But I, 
I don't know. I mean, it's like, I think there's a bigger thing at play. I don't know how much I think it's like calculated by a puppet master at the top all at once, but I think the dominoes get knocked over and it's, this has been in the, the recipe that we're eating right now has been in process for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. You talk about the calculation aspect of it because something I bring up with my brother because we have these types of conversations about who's who's pulling the strings so to speak and you know I've had to I've said to him because he'll say and I think through our conversations we've gotten deeper into this so so this is kind of a sort of retrospective point I'm making but he would say they are doing this. And I would say to him, well, who's they? What do you mean? Are you saying like there's an actual entity, like you're saying, like a puppet master who has malintent, who, who's trying to do something malicious to the populace? Or is this just, you know, I, I would be really curious in the corporate board boardrooms, you know, I would have met whether it's news or food. I would, I, I would be curious, you know, how could it be that there's a, there's a nefarious, there's like a consciously nefarious conversation going on, or is it more unconscious where they're like, well, Hey, the soda really works and really attracts a lot of people. So let's just make money selling the soda you nailed it as far as how I see it. You know, I, I don't think it's any one person calculating out perfectly this nefarious plan. I think it's a lot of people who are complacent because they're financially rewarded at, you know, certain levels, you have a little bit more influence. You have a little bit more insight to things and, Maybe it's just as bad because if they collectively decided to change things, they probably could, but it's, it's only the people who are benefiting from the game who have the power to change it. And you have to be realistic when you look at the situation and ask yourself, how, how do we do the things that we are so proud of doing, but then can't seemingly get the fuck out of our own way for things like we're dealing with right now. And that to me is just there's no benefit to the people who can actually make things happen right um you know my perspective on social media has changed and wait what was i gonna what was i gonna say there you said something that um blew blew me up there uh you know whether it's oh okay so this is what i was gonna say whether it's Generation Ass, which is a recent essay I published, whether it's How to Kill a White Man, which is a book of essays I published, or I've written a play that I'm working on producing Once COVID Really Chills Out, which is also about how technology affects us, particularly phones, whether it's any of that, my, my um, goal let's say with those writings in particular and my writing now is quite different i've kind of softened up and i've changed 
my tactic a little bit. But, um, you know, with those things, I just wanted to become more conscious, like you were saying in the beginning, about where we're going. You know, I also have this thing that I've been working on, this technology council. Why is there no entity in our government that counsels us on whether or not we, we as the great, the greater population, whether it's global or based, based in country or statewide, on whether or not we want to implement a certain technology. That's crazy to me, you know, that the new phone, I, I use the word thrust, these things have been thrust upon us. I was never asked if I wanted the new phone. You know, I think about when I was in high school, it was just one, the trajectory of cell phones in particular, it was just one new cell phone after the other being manipulated. Manipulated kind of makes it sound dark, but I suppose that's a, that's a word, you know, manipulated onto me as something I needed. And now we're in this place where the technology becomes so prevalent that you can barely function without it. I mean, who can really function without an iPhone these days? I mean, that's really that. I mean, you can, of course, I'm not saying you can, and that's kind of a dream of mine. My, I have a, uh, you know, I would love to like sell a book make a million dollars, whatever the number is, and make a million dollars, buy the farm, never have the phone again. Yeah. You know? Um, but how do you feel about that? The stuff being being thrown upon us and we're just like, okay, I guess this is this is where we're moving. And then we can't see the wheel. We can't see the the wheel that we're on. Before it's just like, wait, how did I get here? You know? No, it's it's I I have an interesting perspective on it because I feel like that's a little bit of who I am and what my life has been, especially my adult professional life. I was never that person. I grew up in a really small town. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have aspirations growing up to be a business person. I had aspirations to like play in the world series. I, I you know what I mean? I wanted to be an athlete. And then as I got older and those dreams slowly fizzled out it was because of all the things you're talking about the what was thrust upon us i could have at a young age decided those aren't the things that are important to me but i think like most young adults i just did what i thought i was supposed to do and then i took a job and i got bills and at the end of the day there's culpability on myself for those things right there's certainly i, I can't make excuses but it was the direction the river was flowing. And by the time I realized that's not what I wanted, it took a long time to be able to get into the path that I, that I have, where I've been able to do this. I, I'm a partner in a coffee company. I, I do a lot of things on my own, but I still have to dip my toe into the corporate world and do consulting and do things because it's hard to make a clean break and still, unless to your point, you get that huge financial windfall right. where you don't have to abide by it, but it's like, you kind of have to conform a little bit to the system. And that's, I mean, sounds horrible to say it, but in order to 
even ride the momentum of society enough to get your own momentum. But then during that time, you can kind of fall off the wagon a little bit. You can get disillusioned by all the things that come along with that. You know, maybe you take a business trip somewhere and you have a good dinner and then it's like, oh, okay, it's, it's, I, I enjoy this. I like this. Well, then you got to continue to feed that by doing all the things that you were running away from to begin with. Right, right. And, you know, something that's really chilled this out for me um, is meditation. Mm. Something that has really allowed me to be in social media and not get totally freaked out by it and feel like it's black and white. Like I either have to be on it or I, or I have to be completely off it and never see my phone again you know, being in a kind of tantric balance with it, which was born out of a deeper meditation practice for me, I was able to see the virtue in social media, particularly, or, you know, whatever you're saying, you know, to, you know, whatever you're saying about the system, whatever the system looks like to you, mm -hmm. you know, but as it pertains to social media, um, you know, I've kind of changed my perspective a little bit with it because of my meditation practice. And, you know, now I see how valuable it can be to help people, you know, not just valuable in how I can make money, you know, but valuable in how we can help people. You know, there's something beautiful in it, in how it can accelerate enlightenment, if you will. I know enlightenment's a very big word, but you know, also technology can accelerate things because we can go about burning away these seeds much faster, you know, and what I mean by seeds is like the pornography seeds, the food seeds, the, e the, the different kinds of ego seeds, you know, we can see all the images. So I believe we have a faster trajectory of, <laughs> you know, becoming true um so you know i don't i don't really <laughs> i don't feel like it's all dark any anymore as maybe something like how to kill a white man positioned it you know i'm, I'm a little I'm, I'm playing more in the yin and yang these days with it that's interesting what kind of meditation do you do I just do, you know, I read some different, like I've done, I, 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 I've done TM, I've done the transcendental meditation practice. Um, there's certain teachers, there's this woman, Sally Kempton, there's Jack Cornfield. Um, our, my mother is, uh, has her master's in yoga science. And, you know, so I've been, I've been practicing yoga since I was maybe 11 or 12 particularly Hatha yoga, but, um, you know, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I'm kind of all over the place in different, different realms of it, you know, Zen, different kind of Zen and Buddhist and, um, different types of yoga practices. So, you know, I, I don't really, I just kind of take it a la carte, but really it's just sitting mm -hmm. for me, just sitting quietly, quieting the mind. I, I do a mantra based mantra based practice as well you know 
your brother made a, an interesting comment the first time that I had him on the show. And he said, until you're able to generate some space between you and the world, mm. you won't really be able to see things clearly. I may, I may have screwed that up towards the end, but it was, it was it stuck with me, you know, at least enough to think about I it. I love that. Because we do, we get so caught up in, into the weeds of life and, I think we need to be able to, to his point, separate yourself and kind of look at things from a 30,000 foot overview, if you, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, for enhanced I perspective. I love that. And you know, that's, that to me is born out of meditation. That to me, meditation provides that present moment awareness. It allows us the opportunity to be the witness. You know, I just wrote this story one thing I'd love for you to check out and people to check out is my new newsletter. It's uh, called Reality Now, and I'm on Substack. You can do it for free, or there's like a paid subscription you can do. It's um, realitynow.substack.com. But one of the stories that I wrote was, I'm actually publishing it tomorrow, was having this experience of approaching somebody and then, and them giving me the reaction I didn't want, so to speak. And then how I play out my, then me reacting to them, which I believe is what you're saying. And what my brother was saying was creating some space and then also being able to detach with love. You know, I can detach, I can be interested in the outcome, but I have to detach from it, whether it's good or bad. I have to detach, that's none of my business. So that's how I, that's how I would play that. Mm -hmm. Man, I've, it's interesting too, because I've had to learn that through just going through quote unquote life, you know what I mean? Relationships that require you to <laughs> have to deal with things that way. And not, not even because you understand some methodology or this is the proper way to deal with it, but just almost like natural instinct, uh, presented with a challenge. How do I solve this interpersonal yeah. conflict that I have with a family member? Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting. You say that. Cause I'm like, I'm thinking of certain scenarios where right. um, you do, you have to sometimes detach yourself from that because right. you see a lot of people that make emotional decisions, whether it's in life with family, with loved ones, or even at work, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I can see this translating over into the workplace for a lot of people. Right. Well, it's all relationships. I mean, it's all relationships. Relationships to me is the best. I mean, it's the best spiritual practice one could ask for. Whatever the relationship is, whether it's a relationship with myself, whether it's a relationship with a lover, whether it's with my parent, a friend, a worker, like you said, I mean, that's the place where we work this out. That's the place where we grow. I mean, if we didn't have relationships, what would be the point? What would we do? There would be nothing to do. This whole game is built on relationships. My relationship with God, God in here, you know? So that's the name of the game, yeah. Yeah, and I understand. I mean, I know you you say you've taken a little bit more of an evolved approach to it, but when you say it that way, it does create some urgency when you look at the trajectory that we currently are on, because we're going in a, in a way that's removing relationships from our lives. Mm, COVID wow. has only just enhanced that, yeah. which scares me because I feel like 
you know, maybe it's separate, but prior to, prior to this pandemic, I would have told you a big concern of mine in society in general is that we're to your point, to use your term being thrust in a direction that might not be the best for us in the long run in that we get all this great benefit from technology and social media. And I too, like you try to look at it from a positive. I mean, man, I, I, this is like the 54th episode of the podcast and the majority of my guests I connect with on Instagram. And so beautiful, you know, and I, I selfishly get a lot from these conversations. It's me asking the questions and I, I try to just make it about that. And beautiful. Yeah. So it's like, I have every, all the things that I'm fulfilling at my core, I have, I can be thankful to social media for, but I see how much it's also making a lot of people disconnected. And so when we talk about relationships being so important, Mm. I get very fearful that Mm. that, or I guess to get back onto my point, I was fearful before COVID. And then when I see the response to COVID and it's like, you know, missing holidays, we had 4th of July last year and Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it's like, keep people away from each other and wear a mask and six feet of distance. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's troubling. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, (laughs) you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of what you said about the right outcome or the best outcome, you know, speaking karmically, I don't know what the, I don't know what the best outcome is supposed to be. If that's supposed to be an asteroid hits the planet right now and blows it all up in half, I guess that's the outcome. If the outcome is supposed to be that, you know, some gas is leaked from Siberia and everybody's choked to death within a month, I guess that's the outcome. Or if the outcome is everybody, which is my belief in how we would get to some sort of utopia is if everybody started meditating, you know, and we can talk about what I mean by meditating, but if everybody started meditating and we get to utopia and that's the outcome, then that's great too. I mean, and that comes back to me kind of detaching from whatever it's supposed to be. I mean, in terms of, but also in terms of relationships, I mean, yes, this is bizarre. This is bizarre. This whole thing is bizarre. Talking to you on here, you know, it's bizarre. But we have to, I think we have to, which is why it's beautiful for you to bring that up and for us to always keep on our kind of human radar is that we have to stay engaged with looking people in the eyes, which I don't know how, and, and you know, connecting physically and in person. And I don't know how, I don't know, Justin, I'm curious what your take on that would be, how conscious people might be. It seems like they are, because if you talk to people, they'll say, oh man, I really miss having parties. I wish it could go back to normal, whatever normal is. You know, it seems like people have it on their radar that that being in person matters and it'll never not matter. I think some people do. I really do. I think there's a whole lot of other people who say that because it's the cool thing to say when you get on a Zoom call. It's like when they and I it's also to me primarily probably it's primarily 
how were they living their lives before? If you didn't have a purpose before, you're probably not too bummed out about this. Right. You know, I, I stopped at, uh, I mean, stupid story, but I, I went to Chipotle uh-huh. and I uh, was trying to get a quick bite to eat after a workout. My okay. wife, my son, we like stop. And there's like a sign when I walk in, they're only doing mobile orders. So then I like, I go through this whole process. I order the food on this app. I pick right. the time, put in my credit card information while I'm like standing in the lobby area. I put it in and it's like, oh, your time slot's not available. Please select another one. It's like 30 minutes later. I leave. I was frustrated, had to take a second to breathe. And I was just like, how is this so ridiculous? Like, how can anybody want to give them business? And my wife's like, look, there's people standing there. They're all waiting for their food, you know? And it, it kind of, I couldn't understand why people would be willing to deal with it. But then it's like, well, if you don't have a purpose and you don't have things that you're trying to get done, you just go with the flow of it. And I think that's, that's a lot of it. If you didn't have something before that these things mattered, you know, being around other people, if you just sat on your couch and played video games all day anyways, and this is perfect, you're more normal now. Right, right. Well, you know, to me, that that sort of talks to this thing of um, that I think we've all heard a, a lot of, like this sheep word, you know, where people are sheep, which I've never really liked or vibrated toward because that feels to me like, and to me, this is an interesting conversation about are some people lost causes are some people karmically here to not really be present is that their journey um i would hope not but you know yeah i think you're certainly you're certainly right it depends on what um you know how you were living before i'm sure some people love this yeah, but see then, but then we're, I don't, I don't know. I don't know because the heart, the heart is always honest. And I don't, I, you know, there's a reason depression, particularly depression, not anxiety, but depression causes things like cancer or heart disease because you're alone. There's something about being alone that's never been good in the history of humanity. I mean, it's just never been the way, the way it's been done healthily, you know? Yeah. I, and I, I don't disagree. I would argue though, that those people, they were depressed and lonely and sad, and we're going to have that same fate anyways, because mm-hmm. they were alone before this. And so I guess that's where I'm getting at is they, they, they're already on that journey that we're all on. So like you and I, this is driving me nuts. You know, it, the moment that they said two weeks and we'll flatten the curve, I was like, come on, like I, two weeks. You kidding yeah. me? Like, I, I got things I want to do. I, I can't yeah. go to the park without a mask on. Are you yeah. like, why? Where do you live? Uh, I'm in the northern suburbs of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And so, right. I mean, it was just madness for me, you know, right. and right. I'm, I would say I'm not in the most stringent of, areas as, as far as people following those types of guidelines, but certainly enough where 
it was being noticed if you weren't. So that drove me nuts. I know there was people who it's like, well, I don't go out of my house anyways. And I, it's sad to me that people were living that way even before this. But I do think I, I really do think that there's a lot of folks whose lives really haven't had to change. They were ordering from Domino's, delivering it to their doorstep, ordering all their stuff from Amazon and playing Call of Duty 20 hours a day. Right, right. You know, you bring up food a lot. Food is food is curious to me because I think about how did we get in this place where we don't grow our own food. I mean, that right there is mind-blowingly bad. That's a terrible idea. I mean, we've managed it somehow. I mean, it's, it's constantly a miracle to me that this thing keeps running. Like, that, that's miraculous to me. You know, but it was interesting to see when COVID first started how the Whole Foods in my town was completely wiped out. I mean, that just shows you how fragile this thing is. I mean, but how did we get to this place where you, you can't grow food? I mean, I, I believe it came from like the 50s and the kind of the nuclear home and canned goods and TV dinners. So slowly we moved away from farming. But I mean, man, there's so many fucking different levels to, you know, and that's technology. That's technology, you know food tv dinners is technology technology isn't isn't only phones and computers that's a that's a technology with, that was thrust upon people and then certain people you know it's like in india with these gmo seeds I, I can't remember the woman's name but she's an incredible uh activist but she talks about how a lot of these farmers in india are killing themselves because they are not allowed to keep their farms. I mean, it's been their lifeblood forever. It's how they've, it, it's their spirituality. It's how they've stayed alive. You know, so kind of, you know, tangentially to this point, the more we get away from our humanity, what's really going to happen? I mean, it was so, excuse me for just going on. I don't cut wow. me off, whatever. But, you know, something that was fascinating to me, like particularly about the Super Bowl, you know, those commercials, these like deep technology commercials of like the one commercial that was interesting to me was the self-driving car. And this is where something like the technology council would come in. Do we want a self-driving car or is that just going to end up in my in my in the parking lot? Is that the whole deal here? Is there any council that said we the new thing is self-driving cars and we're just going to be okay with that? You know, because what comes after self-driving cars, then it's flying cars. I mean, it's like, I, I had such a trippy experience recently because I read sci-fi, particularly Philip K. Dick. And it's like sci-fi, science fiction elements of reality kind of just end up here. You know, they never... It's never like it's predictable within the framework of the novel, but in terms of like the real, the reality, they just show up. You know, I was standing on a street corner one day, this electric car is flying by this woman or, you know, the driver's got a mask on and sunglasses. I can't see them. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, and a phone. And I'm like, five years ago, this would have been complete science fiction. 
I, so, I talk about this all the time and I think about it in, okay, given that's what the last 10, 15, 20 years have been, because how old are you? You're I'm, I, I'm 30, I'm 30, you're 30. Okay. So I'm 34. Right. So we're right there. I lived enough in a world before the internet, or I guess at least before consumer internet, yeah. before, you know, computers were in everybody's homes, before cell phones were in everybody's pockets. It, you know, it wasn't like that. And then going into middle school, my parents got a cell phone, you know, mm -hmm. you take it on your, you know, school field trips and call mom and dad when you got close for them to come and pick you up. It, right. And it like overnight. Now, everything in my entire life is on this thing, you know, yeah. and, which is scary, because the vulnerability, number one, mm -hmm. the and then where is it going? Where are we going to be in 10 years? Because we developed in 10 or 15 years where we are today mm -hmm. with the technology of the past. So 10 to 15 years of tomorrow is not the same progress as 10 to 15 years of our past. It's going to be much more accelerated. It's unimaginable. I mean, it's unimaginable. Basically, anything you could imagine could potentially be possible. Money could be orbs that just flow through the air that float into your third eye, if you even have a third eye anymore. This is why, you know, I think there could potentially be, potentially be a rift you know, my brother and I talk about this a lot. It's not really, and I, and I write about this in one particular chapter in How to Kill a White Man called Fool's Monologue, where I call it a spiritual war. You know, this isn't really wars with guns, not, say, not to say that that's not possible, but I think there could potentially be a rift between the nature people, the kind of nature ecstatics, and the technology ecstatics. The people that are like, okay, you know, I appreciate technology, which I do, but I can't go there. I can't go that far. I need to keep, I need to keep grounded just a little bit. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking of this the other day, you know, hiking here. There's just this like simple hike. It's called Fryman Canyon. It's, it's more of like a nice walk hike. And I'm always fascinated. It's like, why do we always come back here? You know, it's so funny. We come back to, we've got all of these amenities, every kind of food that you could possibly imagine that could taste so, so impossibly good. Every sort of orgasmic experience at your fingertips, yet we still go hike. So there's something to be said for that. You know, there's some meditative blue sphere. There's this, there's this particular yoga, uh, practice Muktananda, he brings this kind of blue orb analogy into, into the game where, you know, that doesn't go away. That's like in us naturally, where we need that kind of silent space to come back. It's like charging. It's like charging your phone, if you will, to use a technology uh, analogy. Isn't that interesting to you that, you know, we still have to go, like you still have to go to the park and I still had to go to the park today and work out, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I feel tremendous when I'm outside. And there was a, not to go back again, like I said, I had so many interesting conversations with your brother, but he yeah. shared with me a, 
an interesting study, and I think it may have been a book, you may be familiar with it, with a Japanese study where they looked at people who were exposed to greenery and how that impacted their happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it, very interesting, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And I think, does it have something to do with the um, terpenes as well it, that are in plants? Like, I'm wondering if there's any type of organic element to it as well. Like, There's a great book. I read it a while ago. I feel like I have to read it again. Eb and I talked about it on the podcast. It won the Nobel Prize, I believe, like in, the, in 68 or something, and it's still relevant. It's called So Human and Animal. So Human and Animal. It's by this guy, Rene Dubose, D-U-B-O-S. And he talks a lot about you know, not having measures to keep um, nature intact. He talks about the rape of nature. He talks about greenery, like seeing the color green and how important that is to us. I mean, I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated at, at why I don't see billionaires' names around the country setting up parks. H- how do you have so much money even if you were a millionaire, how do you have so much money and not create a park? I mean, how is that not in your consciousness? That's, that's just kind of baffling to me. That doesn't make any sense. That must be a reality where your green is taken care of. You know, there's these blacktop cities. I mean, these cities where people don't have green. You know, I would imagine cities where crime rates are high, there's, they totally lack nature. They totally lack parks. And nature is meditation. I mean, meditation is not just sitting down and closing your eyes and listening to your breath. I mean, meditation can be many different things. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about having a child? I mean, what is your take on having a child? How I'm curious, how old is your child? And because Eb has a 10-year-old and it's fascinating to watch her and how they have to do this dance of how much technology she gets. I mean, it's amazing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so interesting, right? My son is 19 months old right now. Okay. So he's, he's just a little guy. My wife's right. actually pregnant with number two. So oh, nice. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, very exciting times, but I notice it even now, like first and foremost, I, I do think about it and I think about it quite often. Um, how will we balance that? Because to what we said earlier, there is just a framework of life. And my ultimate goal would be that I'm able to provide absolutely everything, encompass it all and allow him to not have to have those things thrust upon him. Mm. But I'm also a realist and I know that that's a really hard thing to commit to. And so, you know, I think number one is being honest, you know, I, technology brings such an interesting reality where we can connect with so many different people, both positive and negative. Right. So if you are dishonest to your kids, Mm -hmm. they see through that shit. And you're not going to be trusted by them. Mm-hmm. And you may actually have their best interest at hand. And they're looking past that because you've tried to be sneaky and you're overly strict. You're not honest. You don't tell them about life. I was very fortunate. I had 
parents who were very honest with me. They didn't hide things. Sometimes I probably was exposed to way too much. Mm. Uh, and it makes for fun stories now, but I'm very grateful for that because I knew anything my mom and dad told me, if they said it to me, they meant it and I should listen because they never sugarcoated and tried to not treat me as an adult. And mm. so that's the number one thing that I'm going to do because I think that will allow me to be able to have the types of conversations about technology and how they should approach it and to be able to have a conversation where they hear me and trust me to try to follow that to the best of their ability. Right. Right. <laughs> That's easier said than done. Probably. Exactly. Exactly. You Check know, that. back in like 15 years and, and ask me how that's going, you know, exactly. You know, you know, something I certainly don't want to get into talking about my brother's child, but you know, just briefly, you know, I can see how, first of all, the honesty is amazing. I mean, what, what are we without being honest? You know, that's just a linchpin of sanity um, and decency. But, uh, you know, I can see how if you're in a community, this is why something like, let's say, an ashram is important, like a I believe an ashram would be characterized as kind of like a Indian community, like a Hindu community, you know, not a cult, but I guess you could say a cult too. Not that an ashram is a cult, but like the, 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 the aspect of community is important because like if one child is not allowed the phone, but then her friend's parents allow her the phone, then you're kind of fucked. You know, it's like, well, how do you play that then? Because are you going to say, so you can't participate? Then she's going to resent you. I mean, it's just a, yeah. It's, minefield. Yeah, it's totally a minefield. Totally a minefield. Yeah, man. Well, and the, 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 the strange and unique thing about this is we're having a conversation. I'm like, huh, I wonder how I'm going to, monitor my son's phone when he's 15 and then I like stop dead in that thought and I'm like he's gonna I'm gonna be monitoring something I don't even know yeah. exists right now like a phone he's gonna be like what the fuck is a phone man he's like I've got this Neuralink thing and I'm reading <laughs> you're gonna tell me I can't do that dad yeah. I'm reading everybody's mind I'm playing this exactly I mean, there it, might be there might be six of you walking around you know who knows God yeah. knows what it'll be in 10 years so, you know, so no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, um, I was going to ask you about the new book, um, yeah. with your brother, but certainly if there was something else you wanted to, to cover before we went into that, I was going to say one thing about, um, about, uh, you know, social media and the challenge for me is, um, or I think the challenge for a lot of people, particularly young people is the, the ego play, you know, and then the ego play mixed with drugs, like particularly weed, you know, and this is me speaking from personal experience and maybe not everybody is as neurotic as I have been, but, um, you know, there's the story of Narcissus who, you know, the, the basic 
the basic story is he, I think there's a lot of different kind of um, renditions of the story, but the one I, I go with for right now is that he goes up to the lake and he's beautiful. And to me, who isn't beautiful? So I don't think it's about being beautiful, but he looks into this dark black lake and he gets so transfixed by his reflection that he falls in and drowns. And I mean, it's interesting that the phone, like particularly that show is called Black Mirror. You know, the phone is this black mirror. And I think there's, you know, selfies are so, so odd. You know, if you read Generation Ass, there's a reason, you know, you could read that and think I was insane or like philosophically, <laughs> you know, <laughs> philosophically onto something. I, it could really cut either way, I feel like, but there's a reason I center the characters as apes, you know, if you look at people as apes, which we are, which we evolve from, it's a much different experience than coming from this kind of evolutionary ego, evolutionarily egocentric point of view where we've, we're not apes anymore, like we've lost our animal. But if you look at us from that way, it's a very strange thing because we're really just trying to figure out what this is. And we can do this thing with this phone where we take this photo of ourselves and kind of play this really strange, bizarre dance with our animal nature through this technology. And I think not everybody is, and I was like this, uh, you know, if you're more insecure, it might be harder to engage in a healthy way with the um with technology particularly social media which a lot of it is engaging with your face what do you do you do things for well meditation i would imagine is going to answer yeah. this question but aside from meditation mindless things right because i i would the pushback that i would get if i challenge somebody on why are you just aimlessly scrolling through instagram is yeah. you know it's just i'm I'm relaxing. I've worked hard all day. I'm just kind of sitting down and doing that. Mm -hmm. I would choose to try to, you know, grab a guitar, sit down and, and stimulate myself that way, but that's me. Right. So, I mean, how are you without trying to leverage social media, which a lot of people do, how are you getting that much needed time to just. Chill? I read, I mean, I read, I, 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 I have to, you know, I make a note of reading to balance it out you know, reading, exercising, meditating, praying, you know, I have to, you know, cause I can feel it in my mind, particularly too. I can feel, I can actually feel it in my third eye. I can feel if I'm on Instagram too much that I have to chill the third eye out. I have to chill this pineal gland. If we want to be more scientific out, with reading particularly and reading to me is kind of like the complete opposite, the opposite coin of doing something like Instagram. You know, I also might be a, might be, I'm certainly a different case because I don't really, I don't go to work per se 
and like do the job for eight hours and then come home and chill you know i'm an art i'm a creator if you will so my job I, I kind of flow differently um so i probably have a different experience um but see that kind of comes back to making people conscious of what you're doing on it what are you doing on it how are you engaging in it i think that's you know yeah that comes back to that so it's probably a more delicate way of saying it than how i present it to my family members yeah <laughs> you know like hey how are how are you engaging in it where how are you spending your time i'm i'm a little bit more blunt with, yeah. with how i'm probably wording that right 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 and but probably the, but, because i'm i'm you know what it probably is it's probably because i know that i spend more time than i would like to admit doing pointless things on there and so it's a little bit of my own insecurities and defensiveness mm -hmm. where i have some justification and i know that i I have an argument because I do do a lot of productive things, but right. the moment that I see that my armor could be exposed, I try to get ahead of that and really right. hammer somebody. Yeah. But I mean, let's think about different advents in technology, like particularly television. You know, I wasn't around when I don't even think you, I don't think you were either when television was the hot new thing. Imagine how much time people spent watching television. It had to have been correlative to, the amount of time we spend on social media because nobody sits down and watches television nowadays for six hours a day but you would sit down and look at your phone for six hours a day so you know how is that different so maybe maybe this isn't really anything new maybe it's just we've just we've just switched mediums how far do you think this goes especially considering i mean have you seen the video that elon musk released of the ape mm -hmm. playing pong with Neuralink. No. no. So they released a video of a, chimp a chimpanzee, I think uh -huh. it was a chimpanzee that was, they said they implanted Neuralink into uh -huh. the chimp and it was playing Pong on a television and the right. controller was the brain. They were thinking of the move and controlling the paddle with their brain. Yeah, I mean, well, see, that comes back to my, um, that comes back to my spiritual war spiritual rift where i believe that there's going to be people and we can see it we can see it today you know something perfect example is something like a vaccine you know there's people that don't believe in getting a vaccine there's people that believe in that believe in getting a vaccine you know i i, I suppose technology in a way is a little bit more mysterious because it's not exactly a physical thing but something like something like Neuralink where it is actually being physically inserted into you I feel like that that step in technology is so so drastic in a way that there would people there would be people that would say this is this has gone too far and then there would be people that were that would line up for it. Mm -hmm. I'm not somebody that would want Neuralink. You know, I know my brother is not somebody that would ever want Neuralink. You know, something inserted into your skull. I know it's also something he would never want his daughter to have. You know, excuse me, I'm speaking about. I don't want to speak about his daughter, but you know, or or if you would want your child to have. You know. So do you, do you do you feel me on that how there yeah. might be certain levels of technology that are just a little bit 
too beyond the pale. You bring up a, that's kind of where I was, I'm glad that we got here because that's, you know, Neuralink to me is that, that fork in the road. Mm. It's, you know, do we tune in to 2050? And, you know, it's kind of like the beginning of Terminator, not to, not, you know, not that it's all doom and gloom, but that there's, you know, uh, there's two different civilizations. Right. Because I think at first they could coexist, right? But then at some point, that technology exponentially continues to grow and the difference between the two, I, I would even, I mean, I'm going to really bug you out, right? But has it already happened? And are we just a fragment of something that's already happened? Have, you know, when we sit here and talk about alien civilizations possibly existing, are oh. alien civilizations a branch <laughs> off of human civilization that was the, hey, we're going to go with the technology and then our ancestors were the ones who stuck behind and continued to slowly evolve, but they evolved at an exponential rate because they chose technology. Well, now the remaining people, us, we're now catching to this new precipice and the new fork in the road, and that's going to split off. And, you know, I mean, when you think about how long the universe is, I mean, it's the things that we're talking about could have happened so many times over that you couldn't count, let alone once. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so aliens and has it already happened? You know, I, I was acting before you, before you brought up whether or not it's already happened, something I was going to say that I find interesting is uh, like the difference between a liberal and a conservative. I don't identify with any of it. I'm, I'm anti-party. I believe I'm moving toward balance. I'm not interested in anything that has to do with division. I think it's asinine that our whole political system is built on division where there's a red team and a blue team. I don't care if you're on the blue or the red team, whatever, that's cool, I love it. Do what you gotta do. But I think it's interesting how the conservative people are a little bit more nature oriented like they're the hunters, like they, they, they kind of, they identify as like the military. They're, 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 they would be anti-vaccine, so to speak. They're more like my body, even though of course you bring the abortion, uh, the abortion conversation and you know, that just goes in a different direction because of their religious beliefs. You know, so I feel like it, you know, maybe it is bubbling in a way, and it already kind of is there in, to a certain degree. You know, because uh, also, for instance, like somebody like a liberal that's like very much like pro vaccine, it's like that type of person to be to me might be more willing to get something like Neuralink because it's another stage of comfort. It's another level of take care of me. I mean, this is a very vast conversation, but to the point of uh, has it already happened? And I don't know exactly what you meant by that, but I think there, there's definitely uh, rifts in, in society and how we want and how we want to live moving forward. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, 
you mentioned it earlier, right? The frustration that you, you were just like, hey, I never asked for this phone. I'm not asking for electric cars. But I, is inserting some sort of computer chip in the human brain, is that the thing that takes it too far and that makes us say, okay, look, we need to coexist, but we can't do it in the same quote unquote civilization because I mean, they're talking about Neuralink would give you and I the ability to have a conversation without speaking. And, you know, maybe going, being able to go to Japan and be able to hear what they say and it computer generate your response in a language that you don't even need to learn how to speak. And so I mean, how does, how does that become a fair reality where people who want, right. I mean, it's, it's not even fathomable. Yeah, I mean, that's funny, because there's gurus and mystics in India and, you know, throughout history that can do that already. They've just taken the longer route of sitting in meditation, practice, practicing certain ascetic, you know, types of techniques where they can read your mind, and they have been to Mars, and they have visitations with aliens, you know, I, I believe that works. But, you know, I don't think anybody that's developing Neuralink is, is I, I don't know, I don't know how much they're thinking about how, why not actually tap into the, the nature given potential that's already in there? You know, why do we need to kind of induce this thing? It's scary. I'm, I'm not going to lie, you know, because every time I feel like, uh, Every other situation that's ever occurred in life, I, I theoretically could have stopped thinking about it and life would have went on. Uh-huh. And it probably still would if I stopped thinking about this. But I don't know. You know, it, we're, at a, we're at a very, very strange point in time of human existence. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is, um, partially why I'm interested in something like a technology council, you know, and, and this is where back to the word community comes in. You know, if, if the whole thing is, is just put upon us and suddenly I pick up my phone and I can't use my phone unless I attach it to my face where they get the face facial recognition technology you know, I'm being manipulated into, into using it a way that I don't want to use it. Like, I don't like the thing where I hold my phone up and I use the face technology to unlock it. Like, I don't have that on my phone. And I don't, I, it's fine if people do, but like something like that, you know, there's no conversation, there's no conversation to me between the layman and the person that's developing the technology about whether we want it. Where is that bridge? There's no bridge. Well, because it, there could be advancement and just a lot to your point, like, hey, look, if you want to use a phone, use it. But what happens is the baseline increases and doesn't stay there for the people who don't want to advance. So it's like, oh, it's just like technology, right? Oh, you don't have X, Y, or Z operating system, you can't even use these applications anymore because you didn't update. And so to your point, are we on a path where 
you're forced to use your phone and facial recognition technology and God knows what else, if you even want to access your bank account in a timely manner. Otherwise, hey, you can still get your money, but it's going to take you X amount of time. It's, it's going to be a big giant pain in the ass. And if you want to function in civilization, you're just going to do it the way that we want you to do it. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what's happened. Yeah. That's what's happened because we've had no counsel. We've had no, we've had no conversation. And it's, I mean, that's exactly it. That's exactly what it is. I'm going to throw, I keep thinking of this and I've been hesitant to bring it up because I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression, but I think there's a valid, it's probably why the movie did so well, but you're familiar with Ted Kaczynski, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm familiar with it enough to understand what he, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but this whole, his whole problem, right? He did a lot of horrible, fucked up shit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he was, he was speaking out against what we're living through right now, whether anybody wants to admit that or not. Yeah. He, He was a wacky guy. He did a lot of crazy shit, but he, his whole point was we're going down a road that is very dangerous for civilization. And I had somebody tell me something that really made me stop in my tracks Uh as we were talking about this, which is why I bring it up. And he said, you know, I don't know exactly how many people were killed, maimed, injured in all of the horrible acts that he did. And then the family members of those people who have the consequences of that. But he said, I know it's far, far less than the amount of people who have been impacted negatively by all the things that he was trying to stop Mm -hmm. since he did. And he said, just really think about that for a second, ask who the real villain is. And Mm -hmm. that's hard for me because I would never want that to happen to anybody. And I certainly don't think that the way he went about trying to do what he did was right, but it I had to stop and think because that was a very powerful thing for him to say. And I can't necessarily, I can't necessarily say I disagree with the overall premise. I don't agree with what he did, but I I don't disagree with a lot more people were hurt with what he was trying to stop. Right. Right. With his, uh, with his manifesto, I haven't read the, I haven't read the whole thing. I, I, I actually have it in, kind of queued up to read the rest of it but um yeah i mean i think there's better ways this is one case having these conversations to go about um you know go about those things what where are we going where are we going Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of the beauty that that is the beauty of the other side of technology, particularly podcasts and something like Instagram, is that these independent medias are the most powerful entities. So all voices can get a say, which can be dicey, of course, because not everybody is, you know, there can be idiots out there. Um, there are idiots out there, and that's okay. They're not always going to be idiots, but. Um, you know uh yeah i mean there's a lot to be said you know i want to say something about the idiot thing um this guy i really like osho you know they did that documentary on him called wild wild country and uh 
you know, it kind of made him, you know, I've had, I, I've brought him up to, and I read a lot of his stuff and listen to him a lot. And I've had people say to me, oh, he's that cult leader, right? You know, and that's sort of, um, that, that series makes it seem like a cult, but Osho was really one of the, to me, one of the great thinkers of the, you know, 21st century ever. If you read his stuff, he's phenomenal. But something he would say was the word idiot, you know, and I would always listen to that and it was the one thing that I didn't really vibe with. You know, I thought, why is this, why is this sage saying the word idiot? You know, like if he only didn't, if he didn't call people idiots, like a, he would just really be, you know, really be there, you know? And then I was like, oh no. First of all, me thinking there aren't in the world is phony, holy. You know, I'm full of shit if I think that everybody is just there already. Um, but, you know, I don't know why I bring that up. I just wanted to clarify on the, the idiot, bit, you know. Um, and I think it's everybody's doing the best they can at their own level of awareness. Everybody is doing the best they can. Blowing up a fucking building is not really going to help. It's certainly going to make a statement, but I don't, I don't think it's going to help, you know, whatever help means. I don't think that's a good idea at all, but it is interesting that that guy, his manifesto was based around this stuff, um, based around, you know, where is technology going and we need to stop it. I don't really know the history of, of him. Like if he was a farmer or an earth person or like if his family was or he was actually pulled into the harvard lsd studies oh okay okay so that's there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things you can read about him where he was selected um i believe in the 60s he was a very intelligent very intelligent guy and i've even heard theories and i don't know how much i subscribe to them that he was an asset some sort of the government because of these studies and because of his connections uh -huh. to them. But, you know, e either right. way, I think he had an insight that, again, to your point, like horrible person to do what he did and it didn't accomplish anything at the end of the day, it probably was way more detrimental. It definitely was, but the insight that he had, you know, I, I could not, I couldn't argue the simple fact that he laid in front of me, which was that, there's been a lot of destruction by the things that he was trying to illuminate, albeit he did it in a, in the wrong way. Um, yeah. And it just well, didn't stop me. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the reasons I wrote something like how to kill a white man was because everybody was talking about it and everybody is talking about it and everybody is having these conversations to a degree it's just how conscious or ignorant they are choosing to be about it. You know, how many times do you sit down in a coffee shop and you hear whispers at the table over talking about how do I go about getting more followers or how do I navigate social media? I mean, I, I was just inundated with hearing those conversations and then, you know, being a journalist, I was, you know, slip in, you know, how do you feel about Instagram? Like, what's your thoughts on that? And I kept getting back at me 
kind of exactly what I was feeling. Like it doesn't feel right, you know, but then they would go off and participate in it, how they would participate in it. But these are things that people are feeling. I don't think there's anybody that's not feeling it. It's just how ignorant or conscious you want to be. Yeah. And then how do we move from there? You know, that what we were talking about before, that kind of present moment awareness of uh, that I think gets deeper. The more we practice, particularly in meditation, we get closer to the truth of what the present moment is. You know, it's not that we don't have the present moment, but we're clouded by what we think the present moment's supposed to be. You know? So. It's a great way to look at it. Yeah. You know, similar to your experience of looking at the phone a while ago, trying to figure out what the Instagram message was, was going to be and then evolving to this place where you're like, oh, I know what the message is going to be. This is the message. This is how I'm going to do this. I mean, there might be some, you know. Yeah. Oh, there's certainly manipulation to that, but it's less about how I'm perceived. I was very like, oh, well, what are people going to think? At this point, it's like, I'm, I'm going to, if I'm going to use this tool, it's going to be because I'm, I want to share the most recent episode so that people can hear it. And so- yeah whether that's popular, not popular, pissing people off. I mean, if you like it, great. If you don't scroll past it where yeah. before I was like, how do I get them to stop on me and uh -huh. pay attention to what I'm doing? Because yeah. I deep down inside needed that validation that what I was doing was even right. And yeah. now I don't care if anybody watches it. I don't care if everybody who does hates it. I mean, yeah, I'll take that feedback and I'll try to look at it constructively, but quite honestly, it's, that's whatever it is in the moment. That's what it is. Right. I have this beautiful thing with Ebb we've been doing lately where it only takes one. You know, I was, I was listening to this podcast. I was listening to this meditation teacher. This guy's really, really prominent meditation teachers. His name's Jack Cornfield. I'm scheduled to interview him at some point soon, but I, I watched one of his talks on Zoom and there was only, there was like 1500 people there, you know, cause I could see the number of audience members for some reason. And I said to Eb that my brother, the next day, I said, man, it was, it was such a great talk, but there were only 1500 people there. And Eb went, man, if there was one person there, that that's enough. Just all, 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 all he would need is one person to hear that message. And that could ripple out into a million, you know? So I'm just piggybacking off of your point of whatever it's supposed to be. It might just be one person reading it and it shifts their life. What was it? The Tupac thing where Tupac said, I might not, I think it was Tupac. It sounds like Gandhi. I mean, it's the same thing, I guess. You know, I, I, I might, well, not exactly, but, you know, I'm not going to be, I may not be the person that changes the world, but I'm definitely going to inspire the person that will. So, you know, I, or I definitely at least have a chance to inspire the person that will. And I think that's beautiful, you know? So, oh, man. Yeah. If everybody took that 
even a portion of that mentality with them through their day-to-day lives, civilization would be such a better place because I think back to what we originally started with, I don't think a whole lot of people have nefarious, some people do, but not everybody. I think the majority of people who are doing wrong, quote, you know, quote unquote wrong is they're just complacent. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I appreciated this conversation, man. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Great convo. So where can everybody who's listening to this, where can they go and find all your work? Because I know I just, I snagged the most recent book on Amazon. Uh, Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting. I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Um, you got the life worth dying for. Yeah. I'm taking a trip here in a couple of weeks to Atlanta. So I will, uh, I've got some reading time. That's usually when I read is when I'm traveling. So nice. Nice. Yeah. I love that, man. Um, you know, uh, the things that are available, you know, I guess if you go to my Instagram, it's, if you, I think if you just search Augustus Britain, my name, and then my handle thing is self love, but it's with a five and a three. So (laughs) I don't know if you can write that out. But, uh, you know, I've got this essay out generation ass that's on Amazon, how to kill a white man is on Amazon. Um, We're working on turning how to kill a white man into a series. We just shot the first episode, it just premiered in uh, Columbia and London, which is really cool. We're working on selling the whole thing as a series. Um, and I act, I act in it actually, I, you know, I wrote it and then I act in it just cause it just made sense for me to play the guy. Um, and then I'm building this newsletter, you know, I'm excited. I'm really excited about this newsletter because I feel like it's a, it's, it's a great place for me to just do my kind of independent journalism. It's uh, realitynow.substack.com. And there's a free version. There's a $5 a month version. I think there's a $40 a year version. You know, any, any version subscribers get, I'm excited about. So that, that, those are the main things. You know, I have a novel that I'm finishing now about when I lived in Texas. I lived in Marfa, Texas. Strange kind of uh, Brooklyn. I'll, I'll have to come back on the show when that comes out. Please trip, do. Yeah, trippy novel. So, yeah, I, I, I'm building some things with my writing. So, um, yeah, but reality now and then my uh, Instagram, there's like links to my writing on there. So, yeah, brother. I'm really grateful, man. I, I appreciate it a lot, you coming on here. And I hope, it, uh, I hope it's the first of many. Yeah. I, I don't plan on stopping this anytime soon. So, no, don't, man. This is where it's at. This is, this is it. Conversations. We need this. Yes, we do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Likewise, brother. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Much love. Bye.